Good evening. You're on the air with Mike on the mic. This is Mike Hazicek, and I love my Catholic faith. And today we're going to be talking about the sign of the cross, you know, what it means, um, the history behind it, and a little bit about, um, you know, why we do what we do when we make the sign of the cross and the different ways that people make the sign of the cross. But before we get started, um, you know, I wanted to uh, mention that I came out with my latest book, and it's entitled Confession, the Sacrament of and reconciliation um, it's available on amazon.com and it'll be available in the next couple of weeks uh, in, uh, in like Barnes and Noble and uh, any major uh, book distri distributors around the country and uh, actually internationally so in any event um, check it out it's uh, only about uh, 50 pages so it's a quick read and um, that should be uh, forthcoming in the next couple of weeks, uh, as I said before, on and other bit, uh, book distributors besides uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Well, let's start out with a prayer. Um, I'm going to be talking about the Trinity today, uh, and the because you know, we're talking about the sign of the cross, and and, and that's a, a a pretty big aspect of it. So um, let's start out with uh, this new prayer uh, that I found on. Uh, in one of my prayer books, I, I, it just kind of fits fits the mood for today and what we're going to be talking about. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Father is my hope. The Son is my refuge. The Holy Spirit is my protector. Glory to the holy and undivided Trinity, now and forever. Let us praise the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us bless and exalt God above all forever. Almighty and everlasting God, to whom we owe the grace of professing the true faith, grant that while acknowledging the glory of the eternal Trinity and adoring its unity, we may through your majestic power be confirmed in his faith and defended against all adversities through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Well, let's start out with the way the uh, catechism of the catholic church defines the sign of the cross and you know it's it, it says the following and you can find this in the glossary of the catechism of the catholic church it says it's a sign in the form of a cross made by the christian as a prayer honoring the blessed trinity in the manner of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit. And then if we go to paragraph 2157 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it reads as follows. The Christian begins his day, his prayers, and his activities with the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The baptized person dedicates the day to the glory of God and calls on the Savior's grace, which lets him act in the Spirit as a child of the Father. The sign of the cross strengthens us and temptations and difficulties. And then finally, uh, paragraph 786 of the uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church says the following, The people of God share in the royal office of Christ. He exercises his kingship by drawing all men to himself through his death and resurrection. Christ, King and Lord of the universe, made himself the servant of all, for he came not to be served but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. For the Christian, to reign is to serve him, particularly when serving the poor and the suffering, in which the church recognizes the image of her poor and suffering founder. The people of God fulfill its royal dignity by a life in keeping with its vocation to serve with Christ. The sign of the cross makes kings of all those reborn in Christ, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit consecrates them as priests, so that apart from the particular service of our, of our ministry, all spiritual and rational Christians are recognized as members of his royal race and sharers in his Christ's priestly office. What indeed is as royal for a soul as to govern the body in obedience to God? And what is as priestly as to dedicate a pure conscience to the Lord and to offer the spotless offerings of devotion on the altar of the heart? And, you know, the sign of the cross reminds us of both the cross of salvation while invoking the Holy Trinity. So, technically, the sign of the cross is considered a sacramental. Uh, it's a sacred sign instituted by the church which prepares a person to receive grace and which sanctifies a moment in time. So let's talk a little bit about the history of the sign of the cross. The sign of the cross was used in the early church at the beginning and end of Mass. The early church fathers attested to the use of signs, uh, the sign of the cross. If you look back uh, to Tertullian, uh, and, and he was around uh, 155 A.D., and I think he died somewhere around 220 A.D., and he was a prolific early Christian author from Carthage in the Roman province of Africa. And he was the first Christian author to produce an extensive corpus of Latin Christian literature. And he was an early Christian apologist and uh, polemicist against, her uh, against heresy, including contemporary Christian Gnosticism. Um, and he was called the father of Latin Christianity and the founder of Western theology. And he, he, in his, this, this um, letter that he wrote, he described the commonness of the signs of the cross as follows. It goes like this. In all our travels and movements, in all our coming in and going out, in putting on our shoes, at the bath, at the table, in lighting our candles, in lying down and sitting down, whatever employment occupies us, we mark our foreheads with the sign of the cross. And then we can go to uh, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, and um, he lived uh, from 313 to 386 A.D., and he was a theologian of the early church. And, and Cyril, he was like venerated as a saint uh, within the Roman Catholic Church, also the Eastern Orthodox Church, uh, the Oriental Orthodox Church, and the uh, Anglican uh, Communion. And in 1883, Cyril, uh, Cyril was declared a doctor of the church by Pope Leo XIII. And in his uh, catechetical lectures, he stated this about the cross. Let us then not be ashamed to confess the crucified. Be the cross our seal, made with boldness by our fingers, on our brow and in everything, over the bread we eat and the cups we drink, in our comings and in our goings out, before our sleep when we lie down and when we wake, when we are traveling and when we are at rest. 
So, you know, we can go all the way back to the early church and see where, you know, they were making the sign of the cross, you know, as a gesture for all kinds of actions that they were doing, you know, including when they were eating and drinking, um, when they were coming and going, when, before they went to sleep, when they woke up in the morning, uh, when they were traveling, or when they were just at rest. I mean, it was just constant. And um, around the 19th, 9th century, I want to say, sorry, 9th century, the sign of the cross was incorporated in different parts of the Mass, such as the threefold signing of the forehead, uh, lips, and heart at the reading of the Gospel, or the blessing and signing of the bread and, and wine to be offered. The earliest formalized way of making the sign of the cross appeared about in the f uh, early 400s. And, and during the uh, uh, monophysite uh, heresy, which denied the two natures in the divine person of Jesus Christ, and therefore, you know, also deny the unity of the Holy Trinity. Uh, the sign of the cross was made from forehead to chest, and then from right shoulder to left shoulder with the right hand. The thumb, forefinger, and middle fingers were held together to symbolize the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And moreover, um, these fingers were held in such a way that they represented the Greek abbreviation of uh, Jesus Christus um, Sotor. So Jesus Christ Savior is what that means. And the straight forefinger represented the eye, the middle finger crossed with the thumb was the X, and the, and the bent middle finger the C. And the ring finger and pinky finger were bent downward against the palm and symbolized the unity of the human nature and divine nature and the human will and divine will in the person of Christ. And this practice was universal for the whole church until about the 12th century, uh, but continues to be the practice for the Eastern rites uh, of the Catholic Church and the Orthodox churches. So an instruction uh, of Pope Innocent III, that would, ha would have been around... Uh, See, somewhere around 1198 to uh, 1216 evidences the traditional practice, but also indicates a shift in the Latin rite practice of the Catholic Church. And it goes like this. The sign of the cross is made with three fingers because the signing is done together with the invocation of the Trinity. This is how it is done, from above to below and from the right to the left, because Christ descended from the heavens to the earth and from the Jews, right, he passed to the Gentiles, left. While noting the custom of making the cross from the right to the left shoulder was for both the Western and Eastern churches, and Pope Innocent continued, Others, however, make the sign of the cross from the left to the right, because from misery, which is the left, we must cross over to glory, which is on the right, just as Christ crossed over from death to life and from Hades to paradise. Some priests do it this way so that they and the people will be signing themselves in the same way. You can easily verify this. Picture the priests facing the people for the blessing. When we make the sign of the cross over the people, it is from left to right. Therefore, about this time, the faithful began to imitate the priest, imparting that blessing going from the left shoulder to the right shoulder with an open hand. And eventually this practice became the custom for the Western Church. And in the classic work, The Ceremonies of the Roman Rite, this was by uh, Adrian uh, Fortescue, 
and uh, J.B. O'Connell, the sign of the cross, they said, was made as follows. Place the left hand extended under the breast. Hold the right hand extended also. At the, at the world, word Father, raise it and touch the forehead. At Son, touch the breast at a sufficient distance down but above the left hand. And Holy Spirit, touch the left and right shoulders. At Amen, join the hands if they are to be joined. And, you know, although this practice may have evolved from the original and still current practice of Eastern Rite, it's nevertheless has been a standing custom for the Latin Rite Church for centuries now. And then um, this was really interesting. There was a book written by Bert uh, Gezi, and it was called "The Meaning Behind the Ancient Jester." And there was a uh, he was interviewed uh, by Zenit, uh, uh, which is a public uh, pu a publication. And um, they were asking him questions, and I wanted to walk through this because I think his answers were really right on and, and, and just so insightful. Uh, the first question they asked him in this interview that they published was, beyond the words themselves, what does the sign of the cross mean? Why is it a mark of discipleship? And he answered as follows. The sign means a lot of things. In the book, I describe six meanings with and without words. The sign of the cross is a confession of faith, a renewal of baptism, a mark of discipleship, an acceptance of suffering, a defense against the devil, and a victory over self-indulgence. When you make the sign, you are professing a mini version of the creed. You are professing your belief in the Father, and in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. When you say the words and pray in someone's name, you are declaring their presence and coming into their presence. That's how a name is used in Scripture. So, you know, let, I'm going to read that one more time because it sounds a little confusing. But when you say the words and pray in someone's name, you are declaring their presence and coming into their presence. That's how the name is used in Scripture. So as a sacramental, he says, it's a renewal of the sacrament of baptism. When you make it, you say, again, in effect, I died with Christ and rose to new life. The sign of the cross in baptism is like a Christian circumcision which united Gentile converts to the Jewish nation. The sign links you to the body of Christ, and when you make it, you remember your joining to the body with Christ as the head. The sign of the cross is a mark of discipleship. Jesus says in Luke 9, Chapter 9, verse 23, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The word that the fathers of the church use for the sign of the cross is a Greek word that is the same as what a slave owner put on a slave and a shepherd put on a sheep and a general put on a soldier. It's a declaration that I belong to Christ. Self-denial is not just upward up little things. To be a disciple, you are under Christ's leadership and you don't belong to yourself. By doing the sign of the cross, you're saying to the Lord, I want to obey you. I belong to you. You direct all my decisions. I will always be obedient to God's law, Christ's teachings, and the church. When suffering comes, the sign of the cross is a sign of acceptance. 
It's remembering that Jesus became a man and suffered for us and that we participate in Christ's suffering. The signs of the cross say, I am willing to embrace suffering to share in Christ's suffering. When you're suffering, when you're feeling like God is not there, the sign of the cross brings him there and declares his presence whether you feel it or not. It is a way of acknowledging him at that time of trial. And one of the main teachings of the early church fathers is that the sign of the cross is a declaration of defense against the devil. When you sign yourself, you are declaring to the devil, hands off, I belong to Christ. He is my protection. It's both an offensive and defensive tool. And I found that the sign of the cross is a way to put to death self-indulgence, those big problems we have, the stubborn things we can't get rid of. The church fathers say if you are angry, full of lust, fearful, emotional, or grappling with fleshy problems, make the sign when tempted, and it will help dispel the problem. He said, I began to make it to gain control with the problem with anger. Signing myself is a way of destroying the anger, putting on patient behavior, imitating Jesus with the practice of virtue. So think about, you know, this is this is a time of Lent right now. What a great thing to practice um, during Lent. You know, think about whatever vice you may have, if you know, whether it's anger or passion or whatever it is. And when you're experiencing that vice, make the sign of the cross and see how powerful that is, you know, as a sacramental at that moment uh, to help you get over um you know, that, that feeling that, that um, is causing you, uh, you know, either anger or that passion. And then he, and then he said, uh, do, do non-Catholics use the sign of the cross? And he said, yes, the sign of the cross is used by Episcopalians, Lutherans, Methodists, and Presbyterians, particularly in baptism. In his small catechism, Martin Luther recommends making the sign of the cross at bedtime and the first thing in the morning. You know, it's a shame that many non-Catholics see it as something they shouldn't be doing. It comes from an ancient church that we all share. One of my hopes in writing this book is that non-Catholics will read it and share it in the sign of the cross. Um, and, and, you know, he's, again, this is an, he's talking about this in an interview. He's talking about his book in the interview. And then here's the next question that they pose to him. Why do Catholics use the sign of the cross with holy water upon entering and exiting a church? And Gezi uh, responded, In order to participate in the great sacrifice of the Mass, you need to be baptized. Using holy water to sign yourself is saying, I am baptized, I am a baptized Christian, and I am authorized to participate in this sacrifice. When you make the sign of the cross when you leave, you say that the Mass never ends. Your whole life is participating in Christ's sacrifice. That is so beautiful. And the next question was, why should Christians learn more about this prayer? And he responded, I think that it's not something to be taken casually. The sign of the cross has enormous power as a sacramental. It does not cause the spiritual thing it signifies, but draws on the prayer of the church to affect us in our lives. The sign of the cross is a supreme sacramental. He said, when I see professional athletes make the sign of the cross during games, I'm not critical of them. It says that everything I do, I do in the name of Christ. Even games can be played in the presence of God. Wow, that is really powerful. 
And when people make the sign of the cross casually, I pray that they will recognize how serious it is, that they are declaring that they belong to Christ. They want to obey him and accept suffering. It's not a good luck charm. And then the next question is, they asked him was, why is the sign of the cross significant today, especially in areas where laws are becoming less tolerant of public display of faith? And I really like his answer here. He says, they can tell us that we can't have the Ten Commandments in a public building, but they can't stop us from making the sign of the cross publicly. We need to remember what Jesus said. If we are ashamed of him, he'll be ashamed of us. And, you know, we should, and then he said, we should feel confident in letting people know that we are Christians and that we are belonging, that we belong to Christ. So, you know, think about that for a second. Um, you know, making the sign of the cross is also, you know, your evangel, your, 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 it's an evangelization tool. Um, you know, most people understand that you believe in God when they're watching you make that sign of the cross. And, and they also, um, at least at that moment in time, when they're watching you make that sign of the cross, you know, it's reminding them of God. And the whole idea is to plant that seed. That's what evangelization is all about. And, you know, making the sign of the cross when you're eating lunch, right before you eat your lunch in a public place, breakfast or dinner or wherever you are in a restaurant, um, making the sign of the cross, uh, you know, before you uh, participate in sports and after, you know, thanking God after you're finished in that sport, uh, making the sign of a cross, you know, if you're going in for a medical procedure, um, you know, it, it's just a demonstration of your faith. It's offering up that suffering, the cross. You know, I always say, you know, uh, uh, take your suffering, unite it to the cross of Jesus, and offer it up to the Father for his grace and mercy. You know, what a beautiful statement that is, you know, of what you, of what you really can do. Um, and, you know, we cross, here's another thing too, the sign of the cross, uh, when we make the sign of the cross on our forehead, lips, and heart, you know, we cross our forehead, you know, we do that uh, when we're going to hear the gospel at Mass. And, you know, we cross our forehead so that the Word of God may be in our thoughts and purify our, uh, purify our minds. We cross our lips so that our speech may be holy and incline us to share the gospel with others. And we cross our hearts to invite God to strengthen our love for Him and others. So the next time you're at Mass and the gospel is about to be proclaimed, pray that the word of God be ever in my mind, proclaimed by my lips, and pierce my heart, leading me to deeper communion with you, Jesus. And with that, um, we're going to uh, wrap it up tonight, and we'll be back next week. God bless you, and have a great week.